Hi, this is Michelle Lassley with Balance Shared, a space where I truly believe we are better together. My guest today is Marina, the trader chick Villatoro. She uses the pronoun she, her, hers. She goes by the name, of course, the trader chick. As a Russian refugee during the war, after arriving in the U.S., Marina grew up in New York City until she took off 20 years ago on a backpacking journey. She had no end in mind, and while she was camping in the Mayan ruins of Guatemala, she met her husband, the first Guatemalan she met, who was camping in the next tent over. Now, they have been married for over 18 years, living in Central America, raising their trilingual sons. Marina has been an entrepreneur for over 25 years, starting out as a top fitness instructor in New York gyms, and then she became a travel writer and still runs a travel online business, and now is a professional day trader. She also is a TEDx organizer. Thank you so much for joining us. Thanks for having me. Hi, everybody. <laughs> so, uh, one of the things I like to do on my podcast is interview moms, and moms often have the full shall we say, a brunt of life's interruption. Can you just give us a sense of what's happening in your world exactly right now? Right at this moment. So um, I live in Antigua, Guatemala. We are, <clears throat> I'm an expat and right near where I live, there's this unbelievably gorgeous um, farm, which is actually the same farm where my kids' school is located, but at one little part of it. So there's like another hundred acres where the school is in. So <clears throat> because of the pandemic and, you know, we are on the Southern Hemisphere schedule, um, the kids, a lot of the families that are good friends and the owners of the farm decided to like bring our kids here to do distance learning where all, they all have their own computers. So I'm kind of supervising it. <clears throat> we take turns with some of the moms. So today is my turn to just kind of watch and make sure they get on their computers. Meanwhile, I get horses to one side, coffee farm to the other side. It's just, it's gorgeous. It's our escape. I call it my oasis. Beautiful. And then there's a whole swath of bamboo right behind Marina in the video that I can see, which to me, I, that's the color of sun coming through green things is one of my favorite colors. I am just in awe of your positioning right now. <laughs> yeah, it's gorgeous. I love it here. I'm, I'm so grateful to have this escape. <laughs> so I was struck by you being um, a day trader. And we've talked a couple a little bit Marina joined me on my Facebook last this last year. And we chatted then as well. And I'll put a link in the show notes if you want to catch that video. But so so I've said this before, but the picture I have of day trading is very specifically to this Kevin Bacon flick, I think it was called Quicksilver, right? And he he does this crazy chaotic, uh, or what what I think is day trading and then he uh, he gets burnt out and he decides to ride a fixie around and then has to go back to day trading to like get a bunch of money to save save the day for some reason or another uh, the movie came out in I think the 80s and it's very much a cult flick but can you just give us a sense what is day trading so day trading in a nutshell is, if you're going to think of the financial markets, a lot of people think of investing, which means pretty much to buy and hold. So you could buy a company that you trust or it's a growth company, whatever the reason you bought that company, and you know that it's for a longer term. So you know that um, you can handle the ups and downs. Day trading, you're in and you're literally out the exact same day. It could even be within minutes, it could be within hours. So it's literally intraday. 
um, you're and, and you don't care about the fundamentals. You don't care about the overall structure of the company. You just care about what is happening that day. And sometimes you could buy hoping for it to go high. Sometimes you are right. This company is in trouble. It's going to go. It's going to go lower. So I want to. Uh, short it, meaning I want to go in at a high price and get out at a low price and you still make the money. So for day traders, it doesn't matter if you're going up or down, um, but it's all intraday, literally. Okay. Fascinating. Um, that helps me a little bit. I still have questions, but I'm not sure what all those sure. questions are. So we'll move on to my other curiosity question. So you had mentioned that you there are different markets in, in day trading. Can you give a sense of the variety? Sure. So whenever people hear about day trading, they automatically think of stocks, which is, you know, understandable. However, stocks really only make up 25% of the financial markets. And especially for day trading, it's, you know, it's still 25%, maybe even less, maybe 20%. So there's all these other markets. There's futures markets, which people know as commodities. The Forex market, which is currencies. There's options, which is I don't really even understand options too much. There's obviously equities, which is the stocks. And then there's also crypto, which is, you know, the Bitcoin and the mining. So those are the five major markets that are traded. Awesome. So you one of the things that you do is you teach people how to do day trading. Yes. So I teach no matter what day trading you're going to do, or even if you're going to swing trade, which is hold for a, real, for a couple of days or weeks, um, you have to know how to read the charts, right? That's understandable. You have to understand because without the charts, you cannot day trade. Basically, don't even bother day trading because it's so technical. So I have two courses. One is I teach pretty much for any market how to read the charts and the markets. And the other course I have is because I only trade the futures and I only trade one instrument of the futures. So I could have a course just teaching that. And I teach, I trade the ES mini futures, which is the S&P 500 index, but on the futures market. Interesting. Okay. And then the other thing that you mentioned in previous conversations was that uh, it's important to have a strategy and you don't have to get into what that strategy is. What I'm really curious is, is why is having a strategy important? So it's your money, right? Like no matter how you look at it, it's your money. The thing with financial markets is there's no barrier to entry. Literally, there's no barrier to entry for the markets. So Anybody could do it, and I call it just donating money to the market. But if you really want to make this as your career or even like a lifestyle, you have to know what you're doing. You can't just be throwing money at the market and hoping and guessing and betting. So for the day traders, especially, you need to have a strategy. It's like a pilot, right? Would you ever just one day say, you know what? I think I want to be a pilot. Watch a couple of videos on YouTube and then decides to jump into a plane, which I would say 90% of the traders that you hear are failing do exactly that. So I asked people, I'm like, okay, so if you wanted to be a pilot, haven't taken a single class, and then you want to, you tell your family, oh, let's hop into the plane. I'm going to go because I saw two videos on YouTube. I mean, that's suicide, right? Um, 
And people don't understand that that's literally what you're doing when you're going into the live market with your money. Your money is your family. It feeds your family. It's everything. So you, you'd be like, no, you're right. I would never do that because you need to understand what is happening in the market. Do you know where to enter? You can't just enter. You have to know when to enter. You have to also know where to exit. So this is all part of the strategy, right? And people don't usually do that. They just go in blindly and stupidly and... <laughs> Right. You know, just literally donate their money to the markets. What kind of skills have helped you in your day trading? Like, I'm, I'm curious on a couple things. One, just like a blanket level of skills that are important, because I heard things like analyzing and research. And in our previous conversation, you mentioned how important you found it was to be able to trust yourself to make quick decisions. And so I'm just kind of curious, like, what a if there is a generic personality, what a generic sort of makeup of a day trader looks like. Actually, there isn't. And I think that's also something that people get pigeonholed in thinking that there is like a lot of people like, oh, I don't have a financial background. I don't know. I don't understand platforms. I don't understand math. I don't know any of that. I was a fitness instructor and a travel writer beforehand. So that's kind of the beauty of, um, that's literally the beauty of day trading. Anyone can do it. So you, you have to learn the market you're going to do because there's so many markets and you won't be, you know, you can't start to trade, let's say gold and Amazon at the same time. They're very, very different instruments. They're very different. Amazon has one thing. Gold is, you know, so I would recommend choosing what you're going to focus on. And I actually say for day trading, it's so different than investing. You don't, want to diversify as with investing you want to have a big portfolio so the more focused you are the better like instrument i always say it's an instrument actually in financial markets we call them instruments but liberace what was his instrument piano he mastered it why did he wouldn't he didn't have to go somewhere else so i recommend the same for you you know a lot of people want to trade everything because they think they're going to make more money that way but i'm telling them like once you master an instrument you won't even want to learn anything else and it becomes very true for the most part right right because we've fill your head up on different things and you'd be too you you can't you yeah. can't yeah at all it's not possible <laughs> um well let, go back to the some of the skills though that it takes to to be a day trader like what what sort of um just you know skills do you employ um i don't know if it's skills as much as believing in yourself um learning backtesting backtesting i don't know if that's even considered a skill but it's certainly part of the strategy when you have to test and retest if you notice something that is in a pattern that looks like it would be working out you don't want to test that in the live market you want to first you want to backtest it. it you could do everything in the live market but with paper money so you could see if it's working so i'm not sure if skills is really honestly anyone is able to do it if they commit and and apply themselves to it for sure okay that's terrific you know day traders come from all walks of life i have athletes uh, single moms you know um doctors chefs people that take care of that run daycares it, yeah it's such a that's the beauty of it anyone can truly do it so it sounds like if you're going to think of like a skill set um, and you were sort of alluding to this, and we've discussed this before, and I definitely want to get into it again because I think it it's worth repeating so many times. The 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 skill set might be more the entrepreneurial mindset. So an entrepreneur can be anything, right? 
somebody who develops uh, software engineer very specific kind of thing where they're testing very certain things that could that's could be your entrepreneur to somebody who's involved in direct sales somebody who runs a mom and pop shop like there's so many different types of entrepreneurship out there but there there's some things that every entrepreneur needs when i'm thinking of like brick and mortar businesses or or sort of direct sales kinds of things you obviously need to have clients and you're you're doing that and um, but there's always an up and down like one day you might feel like you're on and the next day you might feel like everything's falling apart and there's lots of different analogies about how you know, a lot of the stuff that that happens in entrepreneurship or really life in general is sort of like below the line of the iceberg. So like the iceberg, most of it sits underneath the water, right? But when we're looking at the iceberg, it's the top and we see the shiny thing and the success and whatnot, not all the hard work and the failures and all that. So I was curious then, um, what sort of mindset uh, can support doing well in day trading? So definitely persistence um definitely persistence oh my god so much like to be able to overcome the losses because everybody goes through those losses and that's understandable and it's okay um believing believing that you could do it believing that you could definitely definitely do it because a lot of people they really start to doubt themselves question themselves um so i want to say trust but i'm not sure if trust is the same as believing right um but yes you have to have a strong mindset you have to have a strong mindset you have to have good money ideas you also have to not be a gambler you have to be strategic and very conservatively do this as well and understand that it's gonna it's a long haul it's uh, is what is it it's a marathon is that the analogy people use it's a marathon not a sprint it's a a lot of people want to be in yesterday and they want to make a thousand bucks tomorrow and they don't want to put any any effort whatsoever into learning so to learn is i don't know if it's a skill but it's certainly a stronger mindset than some of these people that i'm like okay i want to make you know hundreds of thousands of dollars i'm like did you study anything no you know let's take a break this is a little quicker than i wanted but when we get back i want to get into um a little bit about your personal journey and if you're open to it talking about money mindsets sure i love aligning my days with nature's rhythms and i made a tool to make it easier i would like to introduce you to my moon deck my moon deck is a perpetual calendar a calendar that never expires this 86 card deck with booklet will allow you to lay out your day, week, or month, and overlay the sun and the moon with the elements and with the celebrations from the wheel of the year. This tool, drawn and created by me, Michelle Lassley, will be your fun, whimsical, and practical tool to see how nature and its rhythms can support you. If you want to learn more and get your own deck today, visit www.michellelassley.com slash moondeck. I can't wait to help you align your time with nature and my perpetual calendar, the moon deck. Welcome back. Okay, so we dug into a bunch about, you know, markets and things, but let's back way up for a second. So you're a Russian refugee. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I came from the Soviet Union. Yeah. And when did you move to the United States? 
so Russian refugees from the Soviet Union only had a small window, and I think it was during Carter's time. So it was during the Cold War. Um, I came in the late 70s. How did that affect your growing up and your perspective on the world? Oh, I hated that we that I was taken away and moved. It was a really difficult transition. I used to say it was the worst thing that ever happened to me, but I think at the long run now, <clears throat> it's probably one of the, obviously it's one of the best, but when you're a kid going through a really bad time, it's not that great. Um, definitely, I think, made me more resilient as a human. Definitely resilience. Um, made me feel... Yeah, it was it was not great, <laughs> but I worked through it, and now I see the benefit of it. But you have to work through it. You have to be open to see the benefits of all these things. Right. Uh, so resiliency, which can inform so many things, I think as a whole, I think our culture, well, at least the circle that I travel in, seems to want to be able to gently build up resiliency in our kids, right? Instead of like throwing them into the deep end of the swimming pool and say, okay, swim. And that's how you learn the resiliency. So I'm just curious, like how has that affected your values for being a mother? Oh my God. So I, 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 I'm the opposite. Like I'm such a mama bear because I went through so much bullying and bad stuff and discrimination. Um, I'm, I don't want to say I'm overprotective. I guess I can be, but it's not show showing. But where we live in Antigua, there's this community of expats. Um, and the school that we go to, the parents are very, very involved. And it is very inclusive. I know people say they have schools that are inclusive and they're inclusive neighbor communities. I would say 99% of them are not, but we really are. Um, like whenever new kids come to our school, you know, in other places, bullying is a big thing. There is no bullying. Like it's just, it's inclusive. It's everyone is accepted. We have had transgender kids. We have had, we have, um, autistic kids that are part of the class because, and there's like, they're in my kids' classes. They might have a little bit of help obviously because they need it, but they're treated the same. Um, and I and it's my protectiveness, right? So my husband's wanted to leave Guatemala forever. And I'm like, honestly, I, I had such a bad time at school growing up. My kids run to school. So it's a lot of work that I put in with other families to make this such a loving environment and such a nurturing environment that doesn't exist. Even if you go to other schools around us, it's not. Um, so... Yes, I'm incredibly protective of my kids. Um, I keep my, as I was saying, my husband has been wanting to move forever. And for me, it's always been about the school. Like I know the other schools, they, it will not be like this. So because I went through so much and because I am maybe resilient, but I don't want my kids to go through what I did. It's not necessary, I don't believe, if I could prevent it. And I work, and I work very hard at preventing that. How did you did how did you find the school? Did you have to like test a couple of schools before you before you got your kids here? Or was it kind of lucky or I don't want to say it's luck, but it was um a newer school when we first found it, I don't even know, maybe a couple of years. And a lot of my expat friends were sending their kids there already. We found out about it after we moved here. And my my son was already going to another school. And they were saying, you know, come. And then I, my, I go to my son, do you want to try it out? And he's like, yeah, let's give it a shot. Um, and 
after that, I mean, my son, who is now 16, he started when he was nine, literally is the pioneer. Like the school grows with his grade. It started with two, him and his other girl. And now it's seven kids in his class. It's really sweet. Um, The school has grown a lot because it's now up to his grade from like, I don't know, I think they start at one year old. Um, But I have to admit there was probably two years of a lot of the parents coming together and really, really working hard at making sure the school is what it is. I started teaching entrepreneurship for kids class four years ago. I organized a TEDx with the school. So I what I was incredibly like hands-on part of making sure about the school and a lot of other parents too. And so finally I think two years ago by the people that own the farm who are also really good friends and they've been part of like the community. And so now we have like this whole new director and stuff that works with our uh, philosophy. And and now we finally are able to like stand back. A lot of the parents finally are like, okay, we can stand back, but we really, we put in a lot of work. So again, not a lot of parents could do that. My parents left their house at seven in the morning, came home at seven, 7 p.m. They couldn't do that. I'm an entrepreneur. The, the community here in Antigua is very, very entrepreneurial, very, very cool in that respect. Um, like trilingual is not uncommon. It's probably more common than just being bilingual. That's the kind of community we have here, right? So we were able to put in that time. We send our kid to a private Catholic school. And uh, in a lot of ways here in, in the States, like there's a lot of similarities between the reach and education, if you will, between private and what the public schools off- offer. There's lots of differences, absolutely. But there's um, a general similarity. One of the reasons we chose this school is because it's small. It has uh, probably not a well. I don't. I don't know. I got the sense that your school is really small, but his yeah. <laughs> up through eighth grade right now and there's about 230 to 250 students in the school and so you know the class sizes range between 20 to 30 um which which for an american school is on the lower yeah low average uh and one of the things that we're able to do because there there are involved parents right there's a bunch of parents who like they work full-time they're single parents for whatever reason, and they can't be as like in the school volunteering. But every f- the the community is is feels pretty tight, especially per grade or grade. And so, like for example, what what this what we're able to do when bullying comes up first, the teachers are on it, right? And so they're just very dedicated to that kind of thing. And then as parents, we're able to come in and say, okay, let's hire this. There's a couple of groups that do a really good job of educating kids grade age appropriate, you know, on like anti-bullying. And and so it's just a really beautiful community that, that reinforces itself, you know, through these values and things. And it sounds like you've got a really neat thing there as well. Yeah, so it's it definitely is because it's private, but it's also the parental. Not only is the parental um, involvement, because like you said, there aren't not every parent is able to do that, but it's also parental allowance. Like I know a lot of kid, a lot of you know parents don't want their kid to be around a transgender um, or around like autism. You know, because my the reality of today is autism. It's what one out of five. 
So we're going to be encountering many, many, many people that have autism, Down syndrome, whatever. The fact that my kids are studying with them and treating them like they're equal already makes them that much more capable for the real world because they're going to have lots of experience with these types of people. But how many parents want to deal with that? A lot of family families don't want to deal with things like that, right? So it's what it's the tolerance, I guess, parental tolerance, right, of what they're okay with as well. Yeah. It sounds like a really amazing fun um, uh, place, and I would love to visit it someday. Okay, so I am so glad you brought up your TEDx event that you started. So tell me about this course that you taught, the Entrepreneurship for Kids. Like, what? why did you want to teach that? So um, the school is very progressive, but it's still a school. It still has to run under a curriculum. It, um, so, but there was a little space there for like an elective well i don't want to say elective because everybody took it it was part of the curriculum um and i said you know well how come we don't have entrepreneurship and for kids oh you know like there's excuse i'm like you know what i'll do it i'm not a teacher but i know the importance of it and it's not about you know like oh yeah i get my it was so great for my kid to know business plan no it's nothing to do with business plans it's about mindset And one thing that I went through for day trading is it really, really confronted me with all my demons. And I had to relearn so many things. I was already in my 40s by the time that happened that I had to relearn everything. And I'm like, well, why are our kids not being taught from the start? Right. And that's really the basis of the entrepreneurship kids class. And it was for my son. It was for my oldest son. um, And he was in the TEDx. That was the re- one of the main reasons why I also organized the TEDx. So he could have that. Having a TEDx speech, it's a pretty big deal. Um, so he did it with his two buddies. Obviously with other speakers. We had professional speakers too. But we gave that one speech to the kids. Oh, my, yeah. awesome. Yeah. Okay. So you created a TEDx event and then your kids did one part of that entire event. Uh, they just had a, a presentation in it. My one, my son, my oldest son, not my youngest. He was too tiny. He's still tiny. <laughs> <laughs> um, can we find that online? Oh yeah, awesome. We will it's have just a- TEDx. Uh, yeah, TEDx Antigua Green School. Great. We'll put that a link to that in the show notes so people can get a sense of that magic. Okay, let's get into that mindset piece then because it affects everybody. And um, and I, I just I don't think I can stop hearing the story. So <laughs> you found yourself doing the day trading and you weren't doing so hot what happened so day trading is very easy to manipulate you and believing in the rich quick schemes or believing so you just want to cut a lot of corners and basically what ends up happening is you lose a lot a lot of money um and that's just unfortunately the reality of it and you either walk away and say day trading is gambling or you continue and really get your shit together, right? Um, And that means to confront your demons and to really start to understand what is happening with you. Because the one thing about day trading is it's, you know, it's easy when you work for somebody to put blame. Oh, they did this, it was them. Day trading, you can't. It's 100% you. There's nobody you can possibly blame. So you have to eventually come around and be like, you know what, I think it's me. And then when you come up with that, you're like, oh my God, now I have to deal with me. And that's when you have to start to go through a real personal growth type of a journey. 
basically. And that's really what happened with day trading for me. So what are a couple of tips that people can do use right now to help them get tethered to their personal growth journey? Well, self-awareness, I guess it all begins with self-awareness, right? You have to take responsibility because you have to, I think the biggest thing is to understand that our thoughts are not our, our minds. The, uh, what is that saying that people say you can be a master or a servant to your thoughts? And I know that it sounds really difficult to even comprehend for a lot of people. It didn't make sense to me for a good year until it really started to make sense, but we really are in control of our thoughts. Um, and once we start to understand that, and it's a process, it's not, okay, yeah, I get it, but it's not, it's, it's a work in progress every single day, every day I'm still working on it, but not as much as I did when I first started to confront it and understand what was happening. What things have helped you in your self-awareness? Well, it's starting to get over my stories, the limiting beliefs, they're all lies. None of them are real. None of it is real at all, actually. Um, it's all what we create, right? none of it is real and i think that's really really important a lot of people don't they believe they, like i come from you know a jewish russian household that's not jewish as in religion it's jewish as in the heritage but it's surrounded with these ridiculous traditions and superstitions that literally like rule the way you think you know we all know those superstitions don't walk under the ladder and if there's a black cat but in the russian households Jewish households, especially there are so many of them. And those are just limiting beliefs. They're just stories, you know, um, that's and But it, it goes really deep. So you have to start to realize, wait, none of this is true. This is, you know, it's a story that somebody came up with. It's not real. Might be they're, they're probably used as a protective agent, obviously, right? To protect yourself from whatever you had to protect yourself from. Right, right. I mean, walking under a ladder, if somebody's on it and they're painting, could be a hazardous activity, right? Yeah, yeah. that's probably how it evolved, you know, like how it was born. Right, right. Um, so, exactly. So, if we could teach all of our kids, and this is kind of big, right? If we could teach all of our kids some of these mindset things at a young age, what would our world look like? Oh my God, we would be in a much better world. That is a guarantee absolute guarantee i think i i wholeheartedly agree i mean what what we like to tell our kid is um we want him to make new and different and more interesting mistakes than we've made right but also embracing mistakes are good is important i mean we i don't know about you but i was raised mistakes are bad you know you're a failure you know and it's kind of almost in our DNA to think that. And that's been, that was a really big part of my course. I talked a lot about failure. Like if we don't fail, how will we ever, ever learn? Right. You know, my biggest, biggest lessons came from my biggest errors, I guess you could say, right? Yeah. So where can people find you? Everything can be found on the traderchick.com. That sounds great. Uh, do you have any last pieces of wisdom or surprises you'd like to share with anybody um well to, to be honest with you, i know that day trading can seem a, lo a lot like risky and whatnot it's not as risky as people think but what it puts you through 
it literally put me on a spiritual journey, something that I never expected. And it's made me a much, much better person in every way. And that I am grateful for it every single day. I always say day training is my greatest master teacher. Thank you so much for that. That was wonderful. And for digging into more in the day trading, um, I'm excited to learn more myself just because now I'm just curious. What do all these things mean? <laughs> Awesome. I'd love to teach it. Balance Shared is curated by me, Michelle Lassley, and produced by Matt Hunter. The instrumental music Grass by Silent Partner is from the YouTube Audio Library. If you've enjoyed today's episode, leave a review, especially on Apple Podcasts. If you've loved the messages of co-creating a better future and digging into ourselves, maybe you'd like to become a sponsor. Email hello at michellelastly.com to get your sponsorship guide. Thank you for listening to this podcast. This is Michelle Lastly with Balance Shared, a space where I truly believe we are better together.